Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Well, good evening to another segment of Broadcast and Politics with Cisco Acosta and myself and Luther Mays, my co-host, who should be joining us very soon. Tonight, we have a fantastic show, and it has to do with money and the economy and the market under Donald Trump. So we will have Suzette Blackburn, who's an investment advisor for Castar Financial in Austin, Texas, and she will give us a good idea of where to put that extra money that has come from the market and the economy under Donald Trump. Well, we'll get to uh, to set in, in a couple of minutes, but I would like to touch on this whole situation with Iran. The Iranian money that we, the $150 billion that was given out to uh, the Iranians by the previous administration. Basically, that money was basically given with no conditions. Really, the conditions of, of supposedly what we were told was Iran was going to halt the whole nuclear, nuclear uh, buildup that they've been trying to build up for, for the past couple of years. Unfortunately, you cannot trust the Iranians. And I believe the previous administration was kind of ignorant to do that. And under uh, President Trump, he took a, he took a very strong position, as as many did in the Senate and in Congress. The Iranian regime, the totalitarian regime in in, in Tehran. So uh, I think we should be happy that the whole situation of Iran they understand now that we mean business. And the sanctions are going to go on again. And the economy, their economy is going to suffer because a lot of that money that was being used that that they received from the previous administration has been used for terrorist uh, situations. And what's going on right now in in Israel, in the Gaza Strip, has a lot to do with a lot of the money that has been been given to the Iranian regime. So you might like him or dislike President Trump. It's not important as, as far as I can see it. But the most important part that I, that I think is people should realize is that we cannot be giving out free money when there's so much that we can do in our country. And we're giving, you know, money to a regime that doesn't, it's not a, an ally and we just basically gave it to them so they can conduct terrorist acts all over the world. So uh, we should give them credit for that. Uh, uh, but I think the, the, the long-term implications of the Iranian, which we'll touch with Suset Blackburn, is in regards to the oil prices. The oil prices have shut up. I mean, everywhere, price is out of control. I mean, oil prices are out of control. Um, and we have, we really, really need to make sure that, that there's not rigging, any rigging that's happening, especially with the Persian Gulf countries. And uh, so we'll discuss the oil crisis that we were looking at, even though it's been very, very quiet in regards to what has been going on with the oil prices? It's been kept very low, pro, uh, low key in regards to what the media is reporting. But anyway, let me just get on and, and call our guest to Seth Blackburn, and um, we'll see what 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 we can uh, what we can learn from 
what Suset is going to be uh, discussing in regards to the economy under President Trump. And if you need to call in, the phone number is 646-915-8117. And this show is sponsored by Students for Better Future. Our producer, Doreen LaGuardia, does a great job in regards to dealing with a lot of issues on campuses, on college, college campuses. And also she's involved, and I'm part of the board, I'm on the board of a group of, that are, we're fighting and we're really pushing for to really dwell, I mean, investigate a lot of this human trafficking that's happening around the, uh, around the country. You know, the human trafficking is not just a global issue, it's also a national domestic issue. So um, we'll be um, discussing that a, a bit more later. Okay, let's try and call her right now. Hello, this is Suzette. Suzette, how are you? Good evening. Hi, how are you doing, Ruben? All right. Welcome to the uh, broadcast in politics. Uh, and we are so excited to have you. I've been getting a lot of a lot of our members, our been, uh, listeners, been sending me text messages. And so I have a list of questions for you. But before we go on <laughs> with those questions, uh, I'd like to touch on basically if you can give us a bit of um, what you have done and you know your company and um, the role of your plane in regards to advising individuals on how to invest. Yeah, well, I uh, thank you so much, Ruben. By the way, I really appreciate you giving me the opportunity to be on your show. It's really uh, a neat thing what you're doing. It's really great. But um, my focus, I'm a Series 65 financial planner, which means I'm a fiduciary. And as a fiduciary, I chose my license very specifically. I wanted to be able to help people with no bias by being beholden to a firm. So Mm -hmm. I'm an independent advisor. Um, What that means for the, the people that come to an independent firm is that I have an open architecture to handle their investments in any uh, any place. So Fidelity or uh, Ed Jones or Merrill or any big box brokerage house, I would have access to without being beholden to that specific management team telling me what to sell you. It's just a better way to do business. Um, it's being independent and it gives people uh, freedom of choice and freedom of pricing. So uh, the focus that I have is on retirement planning and safe and steady returns. I'm really not a hot bot kind of girl. I really want to make sure that I do a real good income plan and make sure that everybody's got income for life. And then I shake the tree, so to speak, as you know, uh, Mm -hmm. look at what are the pitfalls, what are the bad things that can happen, what if you got sick, what if your spouse died, what if the markets crash. What if there's a, an economic crisis or there's a government crisis or all the different various risks, international and domestic? So, um, you know, I'm just kind of looking out for the people. So that's it. Definitely. Definitely. I, uh, we have um, my co-host, Luther Mays, just uh, joined in. Luther, uh, we have to set Blackburn uh, on the line. Oh, how are you doing tonight? Hi, Luther. How are you tonight? Oh, just a little late, just catching up with what you guys are talking about. <laughs> so, um, does the economy look like it's going to last and all these investments are going to work or what? Say that again, I'm sorry? I said, is the economy going to stay better and all these investments going to be solid or, or are you going to watch where you invest money? Well, you know, one of the things that Ruben asked me to speak on was kind of the current volatility that we're in. And right. what I can speak to on that is that 
Oh, gosh, I would say 70% of the stock market right now is run by algorithms. And so I've had the privilege of being able to sit on the Chicago Option Board and watch option trading. It's one of the few places in America that they still use hand signals to do mm-hmm. options. And, uh, and so with that said, when there's volatility, there's split-second trades being made, which is entirely different than how the market was traded in the early 2000s. And so, you know, one of the things we suggest at our firm is to be very well diversified in all different kind of asset classes, not just the stock market. We, we think that, you know, real estate, um, uh, some insurance products, uh, having asset classes outside of the market, a little bit of gold, silver, precious metals, all different types of things are awfully, instead of just leaning on one, one structural, you can have a real flaw if everything's in the market. Definitely, definitely. Um, do you see the, the current numbers, the current numbers of, of, of the market under Donald Trump, comparing that with the market under um, President Obama, where, where do you see, you, you've seen both. Is there a correlation between why the market boomed under Donald Trump and not under Obama? Well, markets will always tell a story of confidence, okay? And for one thing, when, uh, when Barack Obama was in office, uh, we stimulated the market artificially, okay? Um, I, I, I'm not biased towards Obama or Trump. I just want to tell you the facts. And when mm-hmm. Obama was in office, we had uh, a stimulus package QE1, QE2, QE3, all the way to QE9 or something. So billions of dollars were being artificially pumped into the stock market and into treasuries, I should say, in a few select banks to artificially give confidence to the market so that that we would have a a holistic approach to to economic growth. We had the slowest growth during Barack Obama in the economic you know, stock market went well, but I'm talking about true growth than as pretty much ever been. I mean, it was back in the 60s. It reminded me a lot of the 60s. There was less right. job participation. Um, we had artificial uh, CPI that was calculated. I mean, it was just a lot of smoke and mirrors in the numbers. So now, contrastly, and again, this isn't a plus on Trump, a minus on Barack Obama. It's just facts is that today um, there is a a confidence that's not based on artificial pumping of billions into the market. You actually have people getting back to work, and you have regulations being torn off industry Mm -hmm. where people can work. And if people are working, they're making money. If people are making money, they're spending money, they're putting it in the economy. That's the stimulus that you see, not artificial. So I I mean, that's just a fact. So now we have a market that's based on, on consumer spending and consumer investing rather than artificial pumping of government dollars. So you're basically saying consumer confidence is up because Trump's in. Say that again? I said consumer confidence is up since Trump has got in. People are more confident. It's not, I don't, I, I mean, I, I'm not going to say it's because of Trump's in. It's because of the bills that have been passed, I believe. It's the things that have been done as a business. Um, if you do not have profit, then you do not have raises. If you do not have raises, you don't have money spending, people spending money and going right. out and buying new cars, new televisions, new houses. That's what stimulates the market. It's not a man. It's the machine of the economy. Yeah, if the people right, are spending right. money, the economy's rolling. If the people spend Correct. money and they don't get scared, the economy rolls. But when you don't right. have consumer confidence, this is what happens. Now the Trump's in, people are more energetic, more confident. Um, uh, I think this really is really, really helped help this. But it know, does. And he, well, and here's the thing. One of the one of the, you know, I'm always reading periodicals. I'm always reading because if you watch the news, it's all slanted. Any news station, they're trying to sell advertising. Okay. Right. And in yeah. my lifetime, the world has not ended once. 
okay? But every time you turn on the news, that that's you know they're trying to keep you engaged so that you'll buy the the car and the deodorant or whatever, okay? So what, whenever you read news, you need to find out who's sponsoring the news because that's really mm-hmm. what they're trying to do is keep you engaged, correct? Wouldn't you agree with that? Definitely. Right. I, yeah. I totally okay. agree so, with that. So what you want to do is you want to go to periodical, or you want to go to, to news sources that are factually based. And they're usually the most boring reads in the world. I mean, if you're really having trouble sleeping at night, these are great reads, okay? <laughs> One of them is the Beige Report. The Beige Report is written by the Federal Reserve. The Federal Reserve is comprised by the major banking systems all over the U.S. And so what they do is they get together, you know this, they call it Federal Reserve Committee Meeting, and they decide mm-hmm. on interest rates. But all we hear about on the news is, oh, my gosh, they're going to raise rates. So what I would encourage your listeners to do is actually read the data that they go by to make those decisions. And then you have the same information as the news sources minus all the hyperbole, okay? You get away from all that. So as a financial planner, I can tell you that we have the strongest economy that we've had. I mean, I'm reading in this this report written by the Federal Reserve, and it's regional summaries all over the place. What's happening in Dallas, what's happening in San Francisco, what's happening in Atlanta, so forth and so on. And so whenever you read this report, what you get is the truth of spending and borrowing and lending. And to me, that's the, that's the guts and the machinery of our economic cycle. And so if you want to know what to invest in, you look at who's buying cars and houses. And so when I read that, what I see is that we have about another two to three years of solid growth. The reason why right. they raised interest rates, and this is the clue that you need to catch, the reason why they, they raise interest rates is they're trying to slow down the economic mm. cycle that we're in. Do you understand? We are trying yeah. to expand it, and if we expand it too fast, then we will have hyperinflation. So if we slow it down with interest rate changes, then people aren't going to be quite quick to buy that new house, that new mansion, build on their lots, and so forth. Right. And so they, and so with that said, people don't need to be afraid of markets. They really don't. But you need to be very cautiously optimistic. And that's why right. diversification is the key, really is. We've got a great economic cycle. If you want to put it on Trump, fine. But I think it's the total... We were just kind of like a rubber band that was stretched really tight, and all of a sudden Trump came along and it's like, wham, we were all ready to go. That's the way I see well, it. Well, it's been like, I, I, it's been like 18 I, I, years since the economy exploded like this. It's been what, the best economy since, since 2000, right? Yes. Well, go ahead, Ruben. I, I, I have to I have to say yeah we we, we should move away from the names but uh, or individuals but I have to I have some notes here uh, where one million jobs have been created uh, 1.7 million since uh, he's taken over unemployment rate has is down at 4.4 4. um, and then we have the youth the youth uh, for people. For individuals that might not know the difference between the U4 and the U6 unemployment, the U6 is people who are looking for jobs or have given up on jobs. And the unemployment rate for U4, that's down to 4.4. And uh, the U6 is down to 0.6. Black unemployment, Hispanic unemployment, uh, all all down. GDP growth is 3.2. Right. Stock market. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so, yeah, you're right that we shouldn't really put it on one individual, but the, 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 this whole new economic cycle has started under him. Well, I can tell you but, that, you know, we are still in tremendous amount of debt. Okay. So the yeah. bad news is we still have $20 trillion in debt. Yes. In January, the unemployment rate was down to 4.1 nationwide. Right. So, something's working. But, 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 where, I was giving you all these 
statistics is because I was going to bring you up to the next point, which is I think it's a concern of me, and I think it's just a concern of a lot of individuals. This whole situation okay, what is the it? Oil the oil prices. Okay, uh, what about oil, oil prices? prices? Have, shut up. I mean, every everywhere, everywhere, uh, oil prices are just out of control. And yep. my question to you, my question to you, she said, does it have to do with the situation with the sanctions that are going against? The sanctions that are going in? Is that what you're asking me? Are you asking me if the oil's going up because of the sanctions on Iran? Are you there? Are you there? I don't know. We must have lost him, but we can continue talking. Um, What he was asking, because of the sanctions, do you think that's why the oil prices went up? Personally, I don't believe that. What do you think? Okay. Well, I'm I'm not. Okay. The the oil prices, you got to look at hard numbers. You guys are. Okay, oil prices go up because of supply and demand. It's bottom line. We are no so longer we're we're no longer in an OPEC generated artificial up and down, which is beautiful. All right, this is I mean, if if all of a sudden, um, you know, I mean, look at how they're fighting in Syria. It did not affect the oil prices in the United States. That ought to tell you something. Whenever other countries are fighting, if we were in the 80s like we were, or the 70s, and Syria's blowing, you know, they're blowing each other up, our oil prices would have gone through the roof. Got it? Right. So we are today, and listen to me, we are today more independent in energy than we have ever been. It has nothing to do with sanctions. It has nothing to do with any of all that. It has to do with supply and demand. And so right now, you've got more technology being generating oil at a cheaper way, and so if it's go- oil and gas is something that it's going to be a new day. I mean, it's kind of the wild west with technology being able to go and drill very inexpensive wheels. They're they're going deeper now into there's a Barnett Shell in Texas, and they're going that was the deepest well uh, production ever, and they're able to go. I think I read it was like five thousand. Anyway, it's a long way. I don't want to act like I know a lot about that. But what I do know is technology is driving that industry, and it's going up because the supply is needed. Again, when we're growing and we need more energy, they're going to have to produce more. Definitely, definitely. Uh, so I, I, I definitely agree with you on that. Uh, but, again, that, that's something that um, – is a concern. I, I believe a lot of our listeners are basically wanting me to touch on that subject. Uh, so that another one that I um, I just got is wh- how do you see what do you see for the bo- uh, baby boomers in regards to what 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 would you recommend? I know you can't go. You know you would have to sit with the individual. Each individual would be different, but. What would be something that you could recommend for baby boomers who are ten, maybe 10 years um, or more um, for retirement? How would they, how, how would, what would you recommend uh, in regards to preparing well, for retirement? Okay, so let me understand your question. If somebody's within 10 years of retiring, what do I recommend? Uh, but mm-hmm. that's a pretty broad question. What specifically are you asking me? If somebody's within 10 years of retiring, are you talking about or how much money should they have? What are you asking me? Basically, the the question is, uh, what type of retirement uh, investment should they be having? Okay, all right, I understand. Okay, mm-hmm. well, it, it's a bigger question than. Uh, okay, I'm going to back up a little bit. It's a bigger question than what kind of investment should they have. It, it's more. If somebody is within 10 years of retiring, let's way back, let's back up, okay? We need to know as a retirement, you know, baby boomer, 
what am I spending every month? What are my bills that I want? What do I? You you got to dream a little bit. You need to start thinking in terms of what do I want my lifestyle to look like when I retire in ten years? And you have a written plan. That's where somebody like me would come into play. And you have a written plan of: Am I going to spend ten thousand a year on travel? Am I going to spend five thousand a year on travel? How many times am I going to buy a car? Am I going to own my home with no mortgage? Am I going to still have a mortgage? Do I want to pay for kids' education? All those questions. And then we need to add, you know, mortgage, light bill, groceries, clothing, okay, all the stuff that you regularly pay for. Then, you know, a lot of people miss this. You've got to add about 2.5% inflation for the next 30 years to that number. Okay. And that's where it gets a little hairy. So after that math, it's just math. That's all it is, just math. You do the math, and you figure out what it is that you want to spend in 10 years, and then you map mm-hmm. your resources, okay? And everybody does it backwards. They go, oh, my God, I need a million dollars or $2 million or $5 million and, or half a million. That's the wrong question. The first question that needs to be asked is, what do I want to be spending? Add the 2.5% inflation and then we back into, am I saving enough or am I not saving enough? Okay? Right. Now, that's if we have a perfect world. We never have a market crash. We never have an illness. We never have a house that dies. I mean, I just want to start with a baseline. And then once you've built that and you've got your expenses and your resources all mapped out, then you have to shake it. Now, what am I talking right. about? Shaking it means that you literally go, okay, can my assets handle a 25, 30% downturn with an income source from those assets? Ooh, okay. Um, how about my spouse dies and I lose half of my Social Security? Ooh, can I, can I handle that? What if one of us gets sick and we've got three or $400,000 worth of bills over a four-year period, which is very likely? I mean... Two out of three of us are going to have some form of long-term care by the time we reach 78 years old. Those are pretty good odds. I don't know about you, but those are, I'm planning for that, okay? So you have to make sure you've appropriated those monies either in a policy, you've got life insurance to cover the long-term care issue, or Social Security discrepancy if somebody dies early. All that needs to be addressed in in exactly when you're saying 10 years before you retire. Okay, I'm 52. I've got all those pieces set up. I'm not going to retire until I'm probably 67, but you've got to start at some point and know that you've got enough assets and enough income. Income is the deal. You know how in real estate they say location, location, location? Well, retirement is income, income, income. It's not big buckets of money because big buckets of money can go away in the stock market crash, boom, just like that. You guys know that. Yes. So it's having income sources, real estate, REITs, dividend-paying stock, income-producing, you know, different fixed-income accounts, annuities. All these different things need to be set up for people within that in that 10-year period so that by the time right. you get there, you've got different income sources. That way, if something fails, you've got other things working. Does that help? That, that, that uh, seems to answer the question. Uh, um, Good answer to uh, to the question. Uh, another another question uh, in regards to um, uh, let me see what was it in regards to ret- uh, not retirement healthcare. Is there healthcare? Okay, what do you want to know? Believe, do you do you believe do you prefer FSAs or um, as an investment tool of, for healthcare or? Um, FSA and the other one is uh, an HSA or an FSA. Is that what you're talking about? HSA, HSA, and or FSA. Which one would be a better investment tool? For, oh, great uh, discussion. Savings? This is yeah, it's a really good discussion, Ruben. I'm glad you brought this up. FSAs are, I mean, those are ones that are use it every year. That you put a little bit of money into an account. Mm-hmm. Now, the beauty of both of these accounts, your listeners need to realize. This is very coveted dollars because it's pre-tax. 
So if you're in a 20% tax bracket, you put 100 bucks into that, instead of a net $80, you actually have the full 100 that you can spend. You, are you guys with me? So it's yeah. a coveted, it's, it's a tax advantage plan. Now, the problem with an FSA is that you have to use those dollars every single year. You cannot carry those over year after year after year. So the HSA, a health savings account, is a much better option. And a couple can actually front load that. If you haven't already started one, you can front load that with about $6,500 that is absolutely tax-free and it comes right off your balance sheet of taxes when you set up an HSA. Now, if you don't need the money and you're healthy and you don't need it for a copay or vitamins or whatever, then guess what? You can use it the following year or the following year. Or I mean, I literally have clients that we set up HSAs, I don't know, five, six years ago, and they've got thirty, forty thousand dollars $40,000 sitting there, and you take that out tax-free. So think of this. You put money away pre-tax, it grows tax-free, and you withdraw it tax-free. It's an amazing account. I wish we could put more into it. Um, that yeah. would be if I was in government and I could call, pick up the phone and call Trump, I'd say, sign an executive order that we can put 10000 15000 a year in our HSA. That's what I would do. I, um, do you have his I'm number? Ha- <laughs> do you have well, well, do you have the hotline well, number? Have well, you got the well, bat well, phone? Well, I need well, the bat phone. Well, we'll we'll, touch, we'll get in touch with Roger Stone. Roger Stone has his number. He's a friend. Oh, okay, oh, you got it, Luther. I need it. <laughs> yeah. Um, said, I know that uh, I know that you have uh, another appointment. Um, I do. To go I gotta get out of here. But this is yeah. awesome, you guys. This is great, and I want to really say how much I appreciate you letting me be on the show. Definitely. But before you go, uh, before you go, I like for you to uh, give your website and 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 yeah. in regards. Hey, Ruben, thanks again. This is wonderful. And thank you to everybody that's listening. My website is capstarfinancial.com, capstarfinancial.com. Lots of things on there. I've got a whole thing I did with KVU News. A lot of topics are covered. There's, I've been doing radio for the last five and a half years. All my radio shows are on there, and they're topical. If you want to listen to any of the topics that we've talked about, Scroll down their names and, and feel free to call me if you've got any questions. And capstarfinancial.com. I, I appreciate you coming on and, and good luck and, and we'll we'll talk soon. Thank you, Ruben. God bless. Okay, okay God bless. Well, that was Suzette Blackburn. Uh, Suzette Blackburn, oh, fantastic guest. Uh, Informed us uh, in regards to the economy and, and, and fi- uh, financial investments. Luther, while we're on the line. Yeah, I'm here. Uh, yeah. So I, w- I brought up uh, initially in regards to the, the this whole Iran situation, uh, President Trump uh, basically imposing sanctions against the Iranian regime uh, out of Tehran. What's your yeah. take on it? Now, I don't know if she's right about this oil situation, you know. seems like well, every time we try to do something, they jack the uh, oil prices up. So. Yes. I, I, I'm basically um, I'm very concerned about the oil uh, situation uh, around the country. And, and it's, 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 it's basically, I think it has a lot to do with the situation in, in, the, in, the, uh, in the person, in the Gulf, especially with the Iranian. Well, you know, you know what the problem is? If the governor, or the, or the president, opened the oil reserves up to bring gas prices down, it wouldn't happen because the oil will go to the highest bidder. The oil would probably right. end up in Britain or something. So that don't work either. So that's something well, I let, wish I knew more about. Well, I, I think that the, this whole situation with the oil prices, it, it, happens, every, it happens every year. It happens with every administration. As we're, go, uh, as we're gearing towards summer, the, the summer season, prices tend to go up all the time. H- haven't you noticed? 
it definitely is. Um, I, I noticed, yeah, I've noticed uh, that happening. Uh, I didn't know that happens. It seems like every time, like you just said. Every summer, every summer, uh, it, it doesn't matter if it's a Republican or a Democrat or any uh, different party. It, 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 it always happens. I think the, the, the problem, that, I mean, we, the solution, like you said, I agree with you, is basically to start Please using some of our, 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 our reserves, oil reserves that we have. Well, well but, like I just um, said, yes, exactly. like I just said, every time they open up the reserve to bring the gas prices down, they sell it to the highest bidder, and the oil leaves this country, and they've got to go somewhere else. And if you notice, every time the gas goes up in the spring, and when, the, when the economy started to boom, they jacked the gas prices up, it seems like. Uh, you know, so I ain't so sure. What do you think of that? Well, I think in this situation, I think that there is a vendetta against uh, against Donald Trump, especially in the Middle East, because of his, you know, very, very stringent, uh, which is understandable, and, and I agree with him, a stringent immigration policies. Uh, I think the, 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 the Gulf countries, have taken the position that they, they, they're going to do everything to undermine uh, the current economic situation uh, in the United States. But in reality, they don't, re- they don't realize that they're also hurting themselves. And um, so it's going to backfire on them, you know. But in my mind, I believe that they're doing it intentionally to undermine uh, the economy, the U.S. economy. But let's touch on something else that really has been bugging me for a while, and we haven't had a discussion, Luther. Uh, this whole situation with the Russian uh, dossier and Russian probe uh, that really we spent on um, uh, Robert Mueller and uh, his uh, 8,000 lawyers in Washington, D.C. Have, uh, have basically spent over $8 million already. Uh, investigating collusion under the uh, supposedly with the 2016 uh, election. What do you what do you think um, What do you think about this, this whole Russian collusion? It's a big joke. I think it's just a reason to extract your president from doing his job. And and um, they're just not. Here's a, this is this is all amazing. Well, my my feeling is that um, the real collusion that happened with the Russians uh, was with Hillary Clinton and, and Barack Obama, um, and, and you can tell. I, I still remember that video where President Obama and President Medved, who was the current president before um, Vladimir Vladimir Putin where he said to President Medved, listen, if I win the, the election in 2012, uh, I'm gonna, we're going to be very flexible with you guys. Okay, that's number one. So that's collusion right there. I mean, you can't. Number two, the fact that these Russian oligarchs were basically donating, investing money uh, to the Clinton Foundation in exchange for what? We sold uraniums to the Russians. That's another another form of collusion. So in in my analysis, my analysis of this whole Russian collusion is that Robert Mueller was put there to basically block block this whole investigation into the actual culprits of who were really into the Russian collusion. That's my my feeling. I don't know what you think. What's your take? Yeah, he was put there to cover it up and put and put the heat on President Trump. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly yeah, what you're doing I mean, to cover it, it up it, because they're the ones working with the Russians. They're the ones selling the uranium to the Russians. Uh, that's the problem here. But they got. But if you listen to CNN, they tell you the exact opposite. I think people are starting to realize what's going on. So hopefully, uh, people like me and you will learn. Well, I think I, I think there is there is a growing growing audience uh, around the country and even around the world that is understanding that you know there's a there's a heavy very large propaganda uh, that has been pushed by 
individuals in the government that basically want to make this Russian collusion be real. And I, and I tell every, everyone that I get a chance to speak to that if they really had something against, if they really had something, some really, really good information on Trump that he, he was really involved with collusion, they would have put it out there already. The man would have been yeah, they would have already. They already. They would have already. 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 I mean, why are, there's no reason for them to be waiting. You know, someone told me, well, they're, you know, they're waiting. They're waiting. Waiting for what? If they have it, hey, they want to get rid of this guy. They want to get rid of Donald Trump. If I, if I had the information to get rid of Donald Trump, I would put it out there and bring it out and, 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 and impeach him and kick him out and put someone else, uh, get someone else. But they don't. They don't have. have they'll, they're just trying to distract from what they, they're the guilty party. But that's why that's their plan. Exactly. Distract exactly. From the yes. Yes. That's a, that's exactly true. Um, moving on to the next uh, topic. What's your take on uh, and how do you see the midterm election, especially in your home state of the great state of Michigan? The, the midterm election is coming up. How's it the looking? midterm election? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The midterm election. First of all, the first part of the question is, what do you think about the midterm election? And the second part is, how do you see the situation in Michigan? Because you have you have a very uh, critical governor's race in the state of Michigan. Um, I don't see the uh, the guy from India winning. People are well. No. People here, there's people right yeah, around me right now. People here are realizing what's going on here. Trinidad, uh, he's not going to win that. And um, see the Republicans taking over the state. Okay, so basically, based on on your observation and, and dealing with a lot of individuals in the, in the state of Michigan, you feel that the current candidate, Muslim candidate for the governorship. In the state of Michigan, will not win. Yeah, he will not win. Okay. Now, the other part of the question is overall, how do you see the midterm elections? Uh, not going too well for the liberal Democrats because the people in the cities have realized they've been being played for their vote. And, you know, the jobs are up, but the, 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 the price, the people are still working for just above minimum wage here. So this this county here, Oakland County where I'm at is the is the leader of the world of the world order. This county here is probably where this revolution has started but ever does. I hate to say it, right. they've got show cause hearings on people. People used to do the time if they didn't have the money. Well now you right. do the time, you get out, and if you don't pay the fines and you don't show up for the show cause hearing you go back to jail. Yeah, you have to go back on the show. Case. And then, on that call. top of that, they have responsibility fees. If you get a drunk driver, the state even charges are double dipping. The people are tired And the Republican yeah, governor is supposed to send the rest of it in October. We'll see what happens. But Michigan is really, really waking up. And it better right. we need you. Because this is a serious so, problem. And it starts so, right here, where I work. I'm driving. Not that Luther, Luther. Right now, by the way. Yeah, Luther. Yeah, I hear you. Detroit, the city of Detroit. We're going to focus on, on your state of Michigan. The city of Detroit. Is it true that it's coming back as a, as a major city? There, there's a lot of investments in the city of Detroit. Is that true? Yeah, it's coming back. What happened in this state, it was an automotive state, but now it's a high, this is the high-tech tech state. You look at a lot of high-tech jobs, a lot of them here in Michigan. Okay. This is the difference okay, here. So but yeah, then the economy's coming back. But it's, it's still, the unemployment rate's still above the national level by uh, almost a full percent. It ain't 4.1 right. here. I think it's 4.9 here. But the other so thing is, we're overpopulated here, too. There's too many people in here. Detroit area. So the the, the urban you, you feel that there is a, a, a reawakening a reawakening of the urban urban community within the city of Detroit. 
Yes. Yes. Sure is. And how about and how about in the rest of the state? Because we had that situation in Flint with the water issue that it, you know, basically the water issue, is that still a problem in Flint? Yeah, that problem in Flint hasn't been fixed. They say they have, but it hasn't been fixed. Uh, the other problem with the Flint with the Flint dirty waters crisis, they're blaming Governor Ingler. I mean not Ingler but uh, the governor Republican governor we got here now, but we all Rick know Rick Snyder. Rick Snyder. Rick Snyder. They're blaming Rick Snyder, but we all know this has come right from Washington. And if you want to test all the city water in New York and Chicago, don't be surprised to see about it. Let's be realistic about this. Uh, right. I don't even drink city water. I drink bottled water, and I hate to take a shower because I hate to think about what's in it. Right. Now, now, in regard, in regards to, in regards to the midterm election, back to them because I think it's very important. Where do you see Michigan in re, in reelecting a Republican governor and Republican uh, congressman? Uh, well, uh, I'd say, for, I'd pretty much say slam dunk. Slam dunk? You know, we, yeah, I say we got two senators, both Democratic senators here. I see one of them being a Republican. Okay, so you, you see, you see a changeover. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, because the economy's better, people are going to go, what's going on, what's going good. Okay, and the next, and the next question, staying in, within the state, the great state of Michigan, the 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 African American community, where do you see? Because I know we've had this conversation. You 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 believe that they're basically changing and realizing that things are changing and they need to change, right? Well, they they are changing. I'm working with Afro American people. They they just went in the store. I'm in a vehicle right now. One of them's retired from General Motors at 30 and out. He he. They, the the older black people are got well, Afro American people have got smarter. The younger kids are on these on this internet. They're learning. Um, I'd say I wouldn't surprise. You know, the, the Democrats are basically finished for a long time. Um, the the, the African American people have realized they've been being played for their vote. Just just right. like after the uh, after the um, Great Depression, they fed everybody, but they kept giving them a handout. The liberals because they wanted their vote. So they've kept them enslaved. These people right. are tired. Uh, the people I'm around, they've never, they've, they've worked for a living. And they don't want to see their grandchildren living off a handout. Right. You know, I, this is really, Hillary Clinton and them have really made some huge mistakes. They've been exposed on the black net. People are seeing the black net. And they don't believe, and, and another thing about African-American people, they don't trust their government to begin with. Never did. Right, right. No, no. I, 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 I'm with you on that. Now, how do they feel about illegal immigration? Since you, you, you interact a lot with uh, the African American community. Well, it don't help them get jobs if they're coming in here illegally. Yeah. It's just no, no. I agree. Them out of jobs too. You know. Yeah. And um, so, and then we've got we've got it all wrong. When we used to let the We'll bring out green cards and let the Mexican people in. They come here to live in America, to make a life in America. You know, right. and, and uh, now they're not let, they're not letting the good people in. They're letting the bad people in. But now that Trump's closed the border, that should help a lot too. But yeah, the Afro American right. people are tired of not having a job. When your cities are twenty to thirty percent unemployment rates, mm-hmm. I think after a while you start realizing you're being played. Yeah, no, I agree. You know, I, I, I agree totally. Um, you know, I, I, another thing that, that, um, I just was really, really bugging me, uh, it's been bugging me for a while, uh, when this whole situation with sanctuary cities have, uh, started happening and, and I kept telling people, uh, individuals, especially some of our listeners that sanctuary cities came into existence because the federal government under president, uh, under Obama started giving out federal funds to make these cities sanctuary cities. But if that money is taken away, those cities will not be sanctuary cities. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. 100% agree with you on that. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Because we have, we have cities, uh, there's a revolt happening in California with cities saying we're, we're not going to be part of the sanctuary cities. We're, we're, we're basically, we're going to allow ICE to come here. In your, in your observation, do you feel that that's going to start ricocheting, having a ripple effect throughout the whole country? Absolutely. For a stop, you know, with, 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 with amount of fun in this, it's gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna stop this. Exactly. Trump was the best thing that ever happened in this country. Absolute best thing that ever happened. He's starting to show economies up. Economies the best it's been in 18 years. But like I said, there's jobs, but they're not good for bailing wage jobs. Um, but we'll see. Well, I, I, so, I, I, to start, I, I, so I, I, we're I going in the right direction at least. Yeah. See, I have to, I have to disagree with you on, on that sense. I think the, the best way of helping lower-income family uh, individuals is to reduce taxes. Okay, if you look Absolutely. at an income, if you look, Absolutely if you look at it, if you look at an individual who's making minimum wage, he's paying all these taxes. To help that low-income, in my idea, if I was running the show, is these individuals will get tax breaks. You'll see they'll they'll be able to keep more money in their pockets. Okay. Well, what's the benefit? Corporation what's the benefit? Is tax breaks. Right, but what's the benefit? You know, uh, we have all these we have all these we have all these cities that want to raise wages. They want to raise wages. Okay, what's the purpose? What's the use of raising the wages from ten dollars to sixteen dollars when you're going to be taxed more? That is the only reason. Well, the well that's that's, the that's too much. That's way too much. I agree with you on that. You might want to raise minimum wage, but you can't just raise it five dollars an hour. That's a right, that's, but that's a disaster. I'm saying we, we we have cities like Seattle. We have cities, uh, states like California, and 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 other cities uh, in other parts of the country that are raising the wages. But they believe the city local governments, these left wing governments believe that by raising the wages it's going to help the individuals not if you're going to be taxing them at a higher level you know that's where I have a problem with that my, my solution is lower the tax break I mean give them a tax break for lower income individuals in this way you will have they will be able to keep more you want to I agree with you on that. I totally agree with you on that. Uh, tax breaks is the best one. Absolutely. The reason is because they will actually see it on their paycheck. You know, instead of taking these uh, FICA, state, you know, all these taxes that they can basically, these individuals will be better off and have more money to spend and to live because a lot of these individuals are struggling to just, you know, live because what they're making is not enough. So, well, uh, since Donald yeah. get in, you can claim too. That's definitely helping the lower, the the, 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 the poorer people because they're, they're bringing home more in their paycheck. And I'm talking probably twenty more dollars a week since Trump come in. You know, that helps. Yeah, yes, that has absolutely. That- well, yes, it's like the corporations left the country. If you don't give them tax breaks, they're going to leave. You, your corporations are not going to stay if you don't give them tax breaks. And that's exactly what happened here in Pontiac, Michigan. They, they didn't want to give tax breaks to the GM and the big three, and they said, okay, we're out of here. And then they go overseas and prefer world labor. Then they bring the money back into the country without going through the tax, through the tax base, fading out to middle class. So if you're going to allow corporations, you got to keep the corporations here. And then the ones bringing their money back in, it's got to go back to the tax base or we're going to lose our tax base. The problem we got in this country is over 50% of the people in this country don't work. How, how can you keep a, a, your checks and balances uh, even when you're paying out more money than you're collecting in taxes? Do you agree with me on that, Ruben? I totally agree. I mean, I mean, regulations, regulations is another part of it, Luther. The more regulations uh, yes. are imposed, they, you know, people don't really understand that, that they, you know, the companies are going to pass that 
extra charge, extra cost back to the consumer. They're not gonna. They're let's not talk gonna about, eat it. They're not gonna eat that. Let's talk about that, pollution. That yeah. Well, all these regulations on the big on the on the like Dow, it's just cheaper for them to dump this stuff illegally because the fines are cheaper. Than the, than the, that's why they do that. So right. yeah, um, it's absolutely. It's, you know, so we have a we have we have a couple more minutes. Uh, is there is there something that you wanna that's been bugging you that you wanna you wanna discuss in the last couple minutes? Uh, I, I I've been the, the one oil, who's been the oil prices the oil prices okay. right now. Or we were just talking well, a little earlier. Um, I know uh, everything's burned, but. I just don't buy into all this, that the prices are high because of, we need more. We're, 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 this country's full of oil. But we're, we're, we're tied into o, OPEC here. It's like I said, well, when you open up our reserves, it don't lower the prices because it may go to another country to a higher bidder. Well, I, I believe ever since I was a kid, I've always believed that the problem with oil prices has always been OPEC. You know, and for That's individuals right. out there, for individuals out there who don't under, don't know what OPEC is, OPEC is the 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 the, the, the controlling force that sets the price of oil prices around the world. And yeah. most of the countries yeah. are in the Middle East. Right. So That's the yeah, I, I I totally this agree with you. Fixed. Yeah, no, it's, it's, where it's we, got we have enough. We have enough oil to take care of our own country. I, I have always said we need to break away from oil crash. We have Why to. We, I, that's what I say, but people come after every kind of ever said that. But, you know? It's just like the pipeline they put through from Canada through, through into this country. Um, they're putting this pipeline in, but the senators already saw, already uh, passed it to where these trucker companies still uh, ship this oil, run this oil for their trucks. Well, we put the pipeline in. The pipeline is, in the, is put in to, to save us money, you know? It's well, people that run this country put us in this position. Well, I think I think it has to do with uh, vested interests with certain individuals like the Warren Buffett of the world who have, uh, they own a lot of the track, the, the, the area where the tar sand, tar sand, for anyone who hasn't, doesn't know tar sand is basically produced in Canada, in central Canada, and that basically would reduce the price of oil. But it needs to be transported from Canada to the United States. And I think Buffett has uh, a certain segment of that transportation yeah. path that doesn't allow that to happen. So, yes, um, you're right. There's I mean, your problem uh, right there. Yeah, it's, it's 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 basically there's a lot of obstacles that have been put in the way because who benefits from higher price of oil? The oil producing countries, the ones, yeah, and uh, people, are, oil, and, uh, the people, are, yeah, it's the power that's caused the problem. Yeah, I mean, especially Saudi, Saudi Arabia. Right, Saudi, Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia has is a very influential. Of part of OPEC, they definitely control a lot of what. All right, Luther. Um, well, they got too much thanks. power. Saudi Arabia's got too much power. OPEC yeah. needs to be fixed, and we need to break up. Uh, this has been a great night, Rube, uh, Cisco, right. and love to do have, this have again. And and keep we'll in touch, and soon. let me know what's going on. Okay. God bless I the will. United States and this whole world. God bless you too. Good night. God bless, Luther. That was Luther Mays, my co-host. Um, we, I want to say that it was a great show tonight. We, we really learned a lot about the uh, the current economic situation from Suzette Blackburn. A little, uh, you know, conversation we've I just had with uh, my co-host Luther Mays, and I think we. Hopefully we have uh, a good idea of where the economy is at today. And, hey, we have Memorial Day coming up this weekend. Uh, how time flies. The summer is here. 
you know, then July 4th and then, and then Labor Day. Um, so it's it's definitely um, the the economy and the country, and, and we, you know, we, we're blessed. We are blessed. And, again, once again, if you have time, please go to Students for Better Future and donate anything is possible. We, we definitely do a lot of work to try and, and inform everyone. Thank you, and have a great day.
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.